Welcome to If Life Were Perfect. I'm Josh Meyer. And with me as always, Laura. Hi, guys. All right. So today we're going to be talking about budgeting. And budgeting is a term that many of you right now may be like, you know, that's how I felt. Now I feel when I hear the word budgeting, it excites me. And I want you to have that same excitement because budgeting for a lot of us, there's some sort of emotion that's coming out when we hear that word because you're afraid to hear what the numbers are whether you can afford to make your next purchase, to buy a house, to buy a present for your kids, to go on a trip, to just get day-to-day items, it can feel very restrictive or limiting. You really have to check into reality, and that's something that can't be fun. But what we're going to talk to you about today is why budgeting is so important. I mean, I agree with you. When I hear the word budget, I, I do think no fun and um, I think restrictive. I would put the word budget with dentist or cleaning out the garage, anything I don't want to do. Waking up early on a Saturday with kids. It's like, I don't want to do that. But in my mind, a budget is to me the path to peace in, you know, internally and then peace with your spouse, peace with your finances Budgeting is a way to do that because we work with wealthy people and we know that having large sums of money, that's not what brings people peace. Having a sense of control and being intentional and having money work for you, that's what brings peace. I really want people to start getting excited about this idea that when they think of their finances now, they're going to have a budget and that's what's going to bring them peace. It's really about that feeling. That it brings you because I've had clients who have over $10 million. They are literally set for life. The world would have to blow up for them to run out of money and not be prepared. And yet they're afraid to spend a dime because, you know, they were very frugal growing up, which was why they were able to accumulate a lot of wealth. But now they're having a hard time even enjoying it. And once we were able to give them a budget and they were able to have a financial plan in place, it was so liberating because there was a lot of things that they wanted to do. And it wasn't just to go spend the money on themselves and take trips. They wanted to be able to give to charity or to be able to help their kids or to pay for grandkids college. These were things that were so liberating. They had all this wealth, but it felt so restrictive because they didn't have control of their money. And it was just a horrible feeling. Getting control of your finances is really liberating in so many different aspects of your life. And this is a topic that I think we're going to cover over and over again because it really hits every part of your life. You know, we should probably reminisce, which isn't fun to think about, of how we ended up having to set up our first budget. Yeah, no, I mean, it's something that... Cause no, I, in fact, I honestly, when I thought of doing this recording, I thought, oh, I hate to have to even think about why we needed to set up a budget and how hard that time was. But I think it's important because I think a lot of people probably are going through that or will go through that. I remember for me, there was just so much fear, anxiety, shame, just uncertainty. There was all just these negative emotions that were around budgeting because I felt like we didn't have control. We both had steady paychecks at big law firms. So we kind of just spent money as it went and it kind of just just went along and there wasn't really any any concerns. Yeah. So we shared on our first episode on If Life Were Perfect about how we left our big law firm life behind to start our own law firm. And while we were very good about knowing what we wanted to do and why we wanted to create the firm, I don't think what we did well was really planning that out financially in advance. Not only were we missing out on the big law firm checks once we started our law firm, we were having to pour tens of thousands of dollars into starting a law firm 
and trying to go get the clientele, build the clientele. And then, of course, there were like toddlers and babies thrown in that mix, preschool tuition. So you can see that that was a recipe for a financial disaster. And I think that I would characterize that as probably the great financial disaster of our relationship. Oh, yeah, it was a mess. And it took a toll on our marriage. It was so stressful. We ended up in marriage counseling over it. Yeah, it was such a sore subject. It was it just brought out the worst in us. Mm-hmm. And we were making money, too. One of the things, mm-hmm. though, that we really just didn't plan for was cash flow. You know, when you're a W-2 employee, when you go into work every two weeks, money shows up in the bank. That's not necessarily always the case with a business. Our business is now fortunate at the point where we have consistency. We know exactly how much money we're going to bring in. And we can, if we want to increase it, we know exactly what we need to do. But that's not always the case starting out. And I think part of it was we didn't quite shift our spending mentality for our personal expenditures to our current circumstances because we were used to having those nice big checks. And so we'd go to Costco to get milk. And then, you know, it's like, oh, there's a whatever. That looks fun. Um, And so I think for us, we didn't quite put the brakes on discretionary purchases as well. We didn't really change our lifestyle given our changed income. Beyond that, I will be honest about what was really going on. I felt that you, Josh, I felt that you were more controlling of the finances and that you were deciding what was a good purchase or not. And so I felt in a way that there wasn't shared control. And for me, candidly, I will admit, I just wasn't taking responsibility for the bottom line. On one hand, I was blaming you for wanting to be controlling of the finances. But honestly, you can't have it both ways. I can't say you control the finances. I'm not taking the bottom line responsibility for this and then turn around and complain. I don't have shared power. So I think for me, the takeaway of that time was that when you are in a relationship, you both have to take full responsibility for the finances. Yeah, I think that's an important point because it's it's really common where one person in a relationship is going to be taking the lead on different parts of your life. Sure. Whether it's finances, kids, work. What you watch on Netflix. Yeah, whatever <laughs> it is, somebody's going to be in charge of that. And so in our life, it was me. I was the one who was paying the bills, doing our own kind of budgeting in my in my head. And just it wasn't mapped out, though. And so the math is fuzzy in your head. It's not as crystal clear because I was in charge of paying the bills. I also then felt that I needed to take control of what we spent money on. And that's a bad situation because there was things that I felt that were important. Fantasy teams? Yeah, fantasy football. (laughs) Sure, all day long. Whereas if it was something that, you know, was more discretionary on your end, it wasn't that it was a bad thing. It was just, I didn't see the value in it. But that's not fair and that's not right because this is joint money and it needed to be something that we needed to be on the same page. And so being able to create the budget was able to unify us. And I think the important take home here is if you're doing this with a spouse, it's okay that people do different roles. One person can be in charge of paying the actual bills or going to Nordstrom's and spending all the money, but we both (laughs) jointly need to be together understanding what the numbers are and what that budget is. Yeah. And I have to say Nordstrom's was actually the scene of the crime when all of this came to a head, if you recall. I remember I was going to Nordstrom to buy it. I don't know what it was. And I'm not a crazy spender. I never actually have been, but I was at Nordstrom (laughs) 
And I remember, I can't remember why, but I called you. And I was, up until that point, I was unwilling to hear how much debt we were in. And it was like this breaking moment, probably how we all feel two weeks after Christmas when we're like, even our sweatpants are tight. And we're like, we have to know what this situation is and step on the scale. I called you and I remember you telling me the number we were in debt. And you did know the number. You told me. Needless to say, no purchases were made that day. And I remember I came home and it was like the breaking point, right? I sat down and I said, I want to see a copy of everything. Up until this point, I didn't want to see anything. I don't even know if you even knew the login to anything at that point. I didn't. It was kind of like a moment. I wouldn't say it was a moment of courage. It was actually fear. It was just like, I I have to see what's going on here. And I went through all of our purchases. I looked at what we were owed, what we, we owed on credit cards, everything. That was the beginning of setting up the budget. The first step was finding out that number that we owed. And then the second step was finding out what people owed us and just doing the math. And we owed more than we had. I mean, we were over like $50,000 in credit card debt. For me, I'm kind of like the eternal optimist. It was like, okay, the business is going to take up. We're going to get more and more. The cash is going to come in. And we had money coming in. We were making money. It just, it wasn't keeping up pace with the lifestyle because we didn't change things. After we got that number and I wanted to throw up. (laughs) I went through all the bank statements. I started grading all of our purchases, like assigning a grade like you would get on a school assignment. And I started looking at, is this necessary? That was the mentality. Our rent, that was a necessary expense. Our kids' preschool tuition was at a necessary expense. Then we got into things I saw like marketing programs. Are, are we using them at work? Are we implementing them? Or people we had hired, are they producing for us? And I just started assigning a grade. If it was even a good thing, like going to Ralph's, right? And grocery shopping for the kids, it seems like good. You know, we should feed our kids. But that didn't get a good grade because I realized... I could get that same exact stuff if I switched stores and would was willing to drive out to Costco, which Josh loves Costco. I do not. He loves it. Every time I'm there, I'm in line for like some free meatball, something I would never eat in real life. And then somebody sees me and it's humiliating. But anyway, Costco's amazing. And <laughs> please don't say anything bad about it. There's not really so, a need to do that. I know. I, one thing you will learn with Josh is never say anything bad about Costco and Notre Dame football or his mom. Those are like three sacred subjects with him. And his mom is wonderful, by the way. But yeah, I think it's really important too, just to, um, to hammer home the point where when you were grading, it wasn't just do we need it or not need it? It wasn't about just cutting. It was also about, is this a good value? Is it the best use of our resources? Exactly. Once we did the grading, anything that didn't get an A was going or being replaced. The end goal was we wanted to be out of debt in a certain period of time. I think the grading would be different right now because we have different goals as far as the quality of life. Yes. How we graded things was based on that end goal in mind. Oh, yeah. Once we did that, then it was like, you know, that show, the Food Network show, Chopped, they pull up the the dish at the end and it's like your food is on the chopping block. That was kind of how it was. Cable's been chopped. This person at work has been chopped. Everything was chopped. Once we did that, we had a much smaller number of expenses each month. And what we said is anything, anything we make over this amount each month, we're going to pay off the credit card. And I believe 
I went a little too far. I fired our son's beloved tutor. And that's when you told me I'd lost my mind. I mean, that's how much I was chopping. Yeah. But I mean, you had a goal. You wanted to make sure we got rid of it. But I know, almost consider what, getting rid of some of the kids. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. yeah. We don't need to get rid of, you know, there are certain things that also we wanted to make sure that our son was able to compete in school and he had had some delays and he really needed that. So, yeah. you know, you have to find room in the budget. Yeah, you got to be top of your game in kindergarten. Right. <laughs> but anyway, um, that is when we went too far. So I had to call back poor Bob and tell him I, I really needed him back. So Bob was the only thing we brought back from the chopping block. Other than that, it all went and we did start paying off each month our credit cards. I will tell you, that was such an empowering feeling because no pair of earrings or no marketing program at your business that you purchase is going to bring you a sense of peace, like being in control of your finances will. What? Putting together a budget and having a goal of reducing our debt did, it brought clarity and it brought purpose to why I need to go out there and hustle. Yeah. And we should cover that in another episode because obviously the flip side of getting out of debt is obviously increasing income as well. And we can share what we did to increase income. Well, that helped expedite the process. Oh, absolutely. And I just remember each month the numbers would go down and... I remember you saying to me, because you always have had, Josh is such, has such a strong, quiet confidence, which is good because I'm, I'm not that way. I'm the warrior in the family. And I remember you saying to me, mark my words, by Christmas, we will have $100,000 in the bank. Do you remember that? Yeah, because I, I needed a goal. I needed a motivator yeah. and something and I, tangible. Yeah. And at the time, I'm like, really? Like we'd have 100 grand cash just in the bank. That would be wonderful. And I don't remember like the, the exact moment when you said we were credit card free, but I know there was that moment. But oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was like around, it was like probably like six or seven months. Yeah. And we were credit card free. And that was incredible. And that was the last time I've ever had credit card debt. We learned our lesson. I think that's the oh, yeah. important part is that we don't stop grading our expenditures. This is something we continue to do and is oh, very I, important. I never want to go back. I mean, honestly, I think if you're a therapist, you could probably diagnose me just by listening to this with PTSD because that's how that's what a terrible experience it was for me and how afraid I am to ever go back anywhere near being financially stressed. Anyway, so that was our journey to a budget. And it was not a pleasant journey, but the flip side of going through that tough time was Josh and I got on the same team. What I keep thinking about is the why behind it, mm -hmm. because really, you know, getting a budget for us, it wasn't because we enjoy budgeting. We didn't want to fight anymore. We didn't want to have the feeling of anxiety every time we made a purchase or went yes. on a trip. We didn't want to have fear over, would we be able to provide for our kids and pay for the bills. It was terrible. It, it was awful. We didn't want to feel like we were stuck in a rut. All of these just horrible negative feelings. Yeah. And so by doing the budget, we were able to get back that control and we were able to feel the way we wanted to feel about our life. Yeah. And about each other. Yeah. So with the clients we work with at the law firm, they're all in different financial stages. Uh, some of them have a ton of money. Some of them are coming out of a divorce and they have taken a big financial hit. 
and some of them are getting an inheritance, all sorts of situations. A budget is for everybody, regardless of our financial situation. A budget is simply deciding how you want your money to be spent right. and, and deciding if it, each dollar is being spent in the right way. Going back to our first episode, you know, having the end in mind, the reason for a budget is so that you can be on that path that you want to be on. It's not meant to be restrictive at all. It's really actually the opposite. I mean, to me, a budget is the most empowering thing and exciting thing now because I know when I have a budget, I'm going to be able to do those things and I'm not going to have to worry about it when I do them because they're already accounted for. Yeah. And I want to talk for a second to like the younger people. I sound like an old politician. I'd like to talk to the younger Americans, but I want to talk to the people kind of coming out of college. And I know what it's like. A lot of them have debt. They're not sure what kind of jobs they're going to get or what opportunities they will have. And instead of being really excited about their future, they're already kind of worried. And this is something I tell them to do of setting up a budget because, you know, even if it's just them and they're not accountable to somebody else, at some point they will be or there's things that they might want to do. We don't want anyone to miss out on taking a job opportunity because it pays less. And they need that money to pay off a student loan. We don't want people to miss out on going to grad school because they've got undergrad debt and, and things like that. We want people to be able to go be who they're meant to be. And really, the only way that's going to happen is if you do set up a budget and you are in control of your finances, you're honest with yourself about what you owe and what you make and, and all of that. And that you make sure that you're set up so when the opportunities do come your way or when you want to take that next step or leave your day job to start the business or to have that baby, whatever it is, you're in a position to do it because it was on the goal list and you plan for it and you budgeted and you made it a priority. So whatever it is that you want, maybe it's that you want to be able to buy a home. Maybe it's that you want to have a baby or you want to be able to quit your job to go start a business or you want to sell your business and retire. Whatever it is in whatever stage that you are at, now is the time to take a step back and just chart it out. And setting up the budget is the way that you're going to get there. When you set up those list of things that you want to do, I think it's also important to chart the why behind it because it's really easy to say, okay, I want to buy a house. But why do you want to buy a house? Because you know, right now you may be renting and you're feeling very comfortable and very happy and maybe that is the best thing for you. But a lot of times there's something more. It's not just because you want to have a house. It's because you feel that that's going to bring you more stability. You want to be able to create a home. You want to be able to modify it. There's some sort of why behind it. And you really want to get to that. So then it brings motivation and clarity because it can be hard, especially when you're having to cut things and grade things. That initially isn't that fun. But what keeps you motivated is not only having that end goal, but the why behind that end goal. Okay, so for today's quick step... And well, let me say first, we'll talk about budgeting a lot on this show, but here's where we want you to start. For today's quick step, we want you to know the numbers. We want you to know how much you have, how much you owe, and how much you make. Those are the three numbers we want you to determine and write down. And it may be scary. But I will tell you this, we work with so many different people 
money comes and goes. And for us, I will tell you too, that one of the most motivating things to make more money or to get out of debt was seeing the actual numbers and just tackling it. Because it's like getting on the scale the first time is horrible and awful. You don't want to do it. And that's what we're asking you to do for the quick step. It's basically getting on the scale. And maybe it's worse than you feared. Maybe it's better. But at least it's something that you can deal with. I, I will tell you the hardest things that we've had to deal with throughout our life have been the fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. The known you can deal with because once you know what it is, now you can create a solution. Well, and it's almost being dishonest with yourself when you intentionally don't know the numbers. So that's our quick step today. We know it takes courage. And so we are right behind you. We are excited for you. And remember, you don't need to be afraid to see those numbers. We're going to show you many techniques and steps and principles to get to where you want to be. So start with the numbers, let us know how it goes. And then if you feel anxiety over numbers, look at them as often as possible. Because the more you go towards something, the less anxiety you're going to feel. Personally, we look at our budgeting numbers once a week, but write it down and know whatever it is, those numbers are going to change to what you decide they should be. And we will help you get there. Coming up next, we're going to do our mailbag segment, and we have some questions from our new listeners. So we're going to help them tackle some of the questions on their mind. If you would like us to answer your questions, just go to ifliferperfect.com or use the hashtag AskTheMyers to get your questions to us. Our first question today is from Michelle. Michelle writes, my husband Tyler and I have been saving up for a down payment on a house for a couple of years. Now Tyler wants to invest a large chunk of what we've already saved in the expansion of a close friend's business. The company is already successful and I trust the person we'd be going into business with, but I'm reluctant because the money was set aside to buy a house and we could always lose our investment anyway. How do we decide whether to take the chance or stay the course? So, I mean, sounds like you have some really great opportunities and congrats on being in this position, um, you know, deciding whether to buy a house or invest. I mean, those are great, you know, kind of problems, if you will, to have. And I think a lot of it just goes back to figuring out for you guys, what's the bigger priority? Um, and going back to your list, because anytime that something new is introduced, then that's worth going and looking back at your list and figuring out, do you want to buy a house? Do you want to be an investor? And really taking it from that approach so you can be a little bit more objective and not so emotional on whether it's this house or this investment. I mean, really, to me, it's not a choice between buying a home or investing in a specific business. I think the first choice they need to decide is, are they wanting to buy a home or do they want to do investing? with the money. And so if they do decide that they'd rather be investors, I wouldn't even limit to just considering this one deal. I would look, you know, at other deals as well, because there's always a good deal that comes along. Um, And so first, I think they need to decide like what path they want to go down. And I think they'll go down both. It's just which one they're going to go down first. And the only other thing I was thinking when I was hearing Michelle's question was, when she talked about um, a, a little bit of a concern about we could lose our investment, I do think it is important to always keep in mind before you do any type of investment, you should never invest more than you can afford to lose. And then also to recognize that there's always going to be opportunities out there, whether it's buying a house or getting into a business, there's always going to be those types of opportunities. So like Laura's saying, take yourself out of this specific house or this specific business and look more just broadly as, okay, do we want to be homeowners or do we want to be investors? 
And the answer, it sounds like you want to be both. It's just which one do you want to do first and on what timing? Okay, next question. Jamie says, I'm a self-employed writer. I work for multiple outlets on multiple projects every month. Each client, however, has their own pay cycle, which means my income varies from month to month depending on the number and size of each project and each client's payment schedule. How can I budget effectively when my income doesn't come in uniform amounts every two weeks the way it did when I used to have a regular paycheck? That is a really big adjustment when you start working for yourself or you start your own business is going from that set steady paycheck every two weeks to kind of the more sporadic and unknown. And I think some of it, you know, it's a time game in the sense of looking at your averages each month once you're building your business or you're, you know, working for yourself. And so when you are self-employed, you really want to have a strong relationship with your numbers. You really want to be always looking at your numbers, analyzing them. Where did your clients come from? How often do they pay? You know, you want to get an idea of how to predict what could be next yeah, I mean, this is really something where for any business, this is cash flow. This is just another element to the budget. So when you have, you're a W-2 employee in the budgeting analysis, the income is pretty set. Okay, I'm making X amount of dollars every two weeks. It's coming in. And so you don't really, you're, you've done a cash flow analysis. It's just a little simpler. When you're self-employed, that's when you need to do more of a cash flow analysis. You need to, when you're reaching these agreements with either clients or if you're doing outside vendor work, is creating a payment plan and schedule that's going to meet your needs. You don't want to spread it out over six months if really the work's going to be done in two months and you need to get paid in that time frame. Maybe take a retainer even or, or take credit cards. There's different ways that you can do things to make sure that you have adequate cash flow because the number one reasons that most businesses fail is not because they don't have a good business. It's because they have poor cash flow management. And so that may mean that you need to be saving more because you're not going to be having just that regular tranche of money. It may be a month or two months out before you're getting those big chunks again. Big thanks to Michelle and Jamie for their questions. We hope our advice helps you and please write us back and let us know how it went. We look forward to hearing from you again. Okay, on the next episode of If Life Were Perfect, we're gonna be talking about increasing income. So today we talked about how to take control of the budget and cut expenses. Well, next week we're gonna be talking about how to make more money. And you're gonna love our tips because they're simple tips that aren't gonna require a ton of extra time or resources, but they're gonna make a huge difference in your bottom line. If you want to get our quick step from today or any of our quick steps, go to iflifeforeperfect.com and subscribe to receive our quick steps in your inbox each week. And please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about this show. We would love to guide you and your friends into helping all of you have the life that you have always wanted.